who likes to bash Catholics? No, I'm a, I'm a Catholic who, you know, thank God he led me to the scriptures where I began to read for myself. And as Jesus said, the truth will set you free. You know, I learned a lot of right things in the Catholic Church. I had a lot of good years in my, uh, in my schooling in the Catholic Church. And yet, as I began to read the Bible, I realized that, you know, there was a lot of things I was taught that wasn't right. And so there's, there are those who believe, uh, and we'll get, we get to chapter 17, we'll show you why they feel that way, that, you know, the final world religion is not going to be only the Catholic Church. It's going to be uh, a whole group, grouping of different religions and so on. But many believe the Catholic Church is going to spearhead it for a lot of reasons I don't want to get into now. Um, but once the Antichrist rises to a place of worldwide dominion, the apostate church is going to be destroyed. Revelation 17, verse 16 tells us. Now, the second beast, the false prophet, is going to survive that whole deal. Okay, He's been leading this apostate church for three and a half years, around the midpoint when the Antichrist you know, really takes hold of world, he becomes the world leader by force. He's going to turn on this apostate church. He no longer needs it. Okay, He's got all he wanted, which was a power and authority over the whole world. He's going to destroy this apostate church, but the leader, the false prophet, is not going, he's going to survive it. And what's going to happen, he is going to then join with the Antichrist. They've already been in partnership, but now he's going to join with the Antichrist in facilitating the final form of world religion. It's going to morph into this it's already ungodly, you know, but it's going to morph into something really demonic because the Antichrist and the false prophet will be doing the cheerleading for this guy. Um, the Antichrist is going to outlaw every other religion and only one religion is going to be permitted from that point on, the religion of the Antichrist where he's going to be worshipped as God. And the false prophet's going to be right there encouraging the world to worship this guy. So again, we, we, we'll study that more in detail when we get to chapter 17. Verse 12, this false prophet causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast. Now, we've already talked about how that everything in the false prophet's power is going to be spent to get the world to worship this first beast of the Antichrist. And the devil is going to empower both of these guys. They're both going to have supernatural abilities. The false prophet will also have supernatural abilities and he will use those to kind of get the whole world, you know, into the... It's going to be the cult of antichrist worship is what it's going to be. Now, the thing that really cements this final world religion, where the antichrist is now worshipped as God, the thing that really cements this in the mind of people, that this guy is no mere man, he is a god... It's mentioned three times in Revelation 13 that one of his heads of the beast, we assume that the head is the Antichrist, talking about his head, is going to be mortally wounded, it, it appears. But then, miraculously, he's going to be resurrected. And the world, at that point, you know, here, we talked about this last week, many commentators, and I believe they're, tr they're accurate, many commentators believe that someone is going to try to assassinate the Antichrist. Not everybody's going to love this guy. And at one point, somebody 
is going to try to assassinate him. In fact, it's interesting in Zechariah chapter 11, verse 17, Zechariah prophesies about this guy almost in passing, but gives us a little glimpse at something that happens during the Antichrist uh, reign uh, that I think feeds right into what we're talking about. Zechariah 11, verse 17, God said, Woe to the worthless shepherd. That's a reference to the Antichrist. Who leaves the flock, listen, the sword, shall be against his arm and against his right eye. His arm shall, shall completely wither and his right eye shall be totally blinded. We know from Revelation 13, verse 3, that his head was mortally wounded. Uh, I believe somebody's going to you know, try to take him out with a gunshot to the head. It's going to leave whatever, I'm no doctor, but I think if the right side is paralyzed, doesn't that shot come from the left then? Could be, I don't know. But somebody's going to try to shoot him in, a he in the head, and he is going to appear like he's dead. Now, I don't think he's really going to be really dead. I don't think the devil has the power to raise the dead. I don't think he has the power over life and death. But it's not going to really matter, as we said last time, because Satan will present such a convincing counterfeit death and resurrection that the whole world is going to think it was genuine. And that event is going to cause the people of this world, if they didn't love this guy and worship him already, the fact that this guy seems to have power over life and death, you can't kill him. Somebody tries to kill him, he just resurrects himself. He's not a man, he's a god. And the fact that he, you know, this becomes not just an event in his life, it becomes the identifying characteristic of his life. This is how people identify him. Remember the guy who was dead and now is alive again? You know, whose, whose deadly wound was healed, it keeps telling us. The whole world marveled after this guy whose deadly wound was healed. That becomes a thing that they identify him with. The fact that he seems to have the power over life and death. And if he is conquered over death, if we follow him, maybe he can teach us how to conquer over death, I believe is the idea here. I mean, Hinduism, the New Age movement, and so many religions are based on the fact that, you know, we are really a part of the God force. We just don't know that. We have to be enlightened. We have to understand, we, through, and you learn how to, you know, how you become enlightened through techniques like visualization and, and transcendental meditation and different ways by which you can become enlightened, realize your own godhood, because once you realize your own divinity, you can tap into the God force that flows through all of us, and when you do, the sky's the limit, is what they teach. This is going to be, I think, the religion of the Antichrist. It's going to be a form of Hinduism or New Age spirituality. And this guy is going to be living it, okay? He is going to have supernatural abilities, even it seems that he has power over life and death. I mean, this is a powerful thing. And with the false prophet doing the cheerleading for this guy and also having uh, the ability to, to do miracles and things, together they're going to become a pretty powerful de demonic duo, and all the earth dwellers are going to be fought, lining up to follow after the Antichrist. Verse 13 says, he performs great signs. This is, the, this is the false prophet. He performs great signs. The Greek there is a word that means miracles. Just the same Greek word that was used of Jesus' miracles. So, so if these men are going to have real supernatural abilities. Their abilities won't come from God, of course. They'll come from the devil who has... Uh, real power. 
but uh, he performs great signs so that even, he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Now, as we've already said, during the first three and a half years of the final seven, we see the two witnesses. You can read about them in chapter 11. And they're going to be ministering on the earth. Of course, while the Antichrist and false prophet are preaching a very positive message about your own divinity, these two characters are going to be saying, no, you're rotten sinners, and you better repent or you're going to hell. Now, that's a message that the world doesn't want to hear. The earth dwellers do not want to hear that. They want to hear that they're God, that they have the ability to become just like the false prophet and Antichrist. They have real power within themselves, and uh, these guys are going to teach us how to tap into it and so on and so forth. But the, the two witnesses are going to be prophets from God. They're going to be clothed in sackcloth, which is like the Old Testament prophets would put on when they were preaching a message of repentance, judgment is coming, get yourself right with God, that kind of thing. The world is not going to want to hear it for the most part. People will get saved, but for the most part, no. You're going to have the majority of people on the earth, which the Bible calls earth dwellers, who are not going to want to hear it. They're going to hate these guys. They're going to want to kill these two guys. The rub is, the thing that, that we've already studied in chapter 11, verse 5, it says, if anyone wants to harm them, the two witnesses, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. So they're indestructible. The world can't touch them, so they're forced to listen to them for three and a half years. And man, these two guys take their toll on the earth dwellers. But then we read in Revelation 11, verse 7, when the two witnesses have finished their testimony, when their ministry is done... The beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. Now, again, here's the scenario I think is going to unfold. I believe the Antichrist, after somebody tries to kill him, and he has this miraculous resurrection, which is really a pseudo-resurrection. It's a you know, counterfeit. After he supposedly miraculously comes back to life, at that moment the devil's going to enter into him, the Bible tells us. I believe at that moment, because the two witnesses have finished their testimony. Of course, the world doesn't know that God says you're done. But all of a sudden, here's the Antichrist now, filled with the devil. He goes, makes war with these two guys, kills them. Wow. Not only has he risen from the dead, he's been the only person on the face of the earth that's been able to kill these two guys that hasn't gotten burned up, you know, trying to kill these two. At that point, the world shifts into high gear with regard to their worship of this guy. And they say in Revelation 13, verse 4, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? After the Antichrist kills these two witnesses, he then goes into the temple and he sets up his image in the Holy of Holies and demands to be worshipped as God. No more Mr. Nice Guy. No more Mr. You know, quintessential politician. You know, Now he shows his true colors. Up until this point, he's been very tolerant of other religions. In fact, he's even okayed the Jews to rebuild their temple. Now, all that ceases. He stops all religions, and he institutes a new religion, the religion of himself, as he himself now is, uh, you know, sits in the, on the throne of God in the temple and demands to be worshipped as God. Well, things go fine for about three days. Because in Revelation 11, verses 11 through 12... 
During this time, the two witnesses who are dead are laying in the streets of Jerusalem. The world is partying, remember? The only time in the book of Revelation it says any celebration goes on when these two guys are laying dead in the streets of Jerusalem, the world's partying, sending each other gifts. You know, it's like a demonic Christmas, all right? People are partying, sending each other gifts. You know, CNN is there, no doubt, you know, and filming day by day, these two guys laying on the street. Suddenly, it says, after three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them, the two witnesses, and they stood on their feet, and great fear fell on those who saw them. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying, come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies saw them. Well, of course, now the world stops partying, and they're terrified. But when God raises these two witnesses from the dead and takes them to heaven, the false prophet answers the challenge by giving life to the image of the beast in the Holy of Holies. In other words, the devil tries to counterfeit what God does, right? And God just raised his two witnesses and took them to heaven. So the false prophet wants to calm the world. Okay, don't, don't worry about their God. Look, I will give the image of the Antichrist, I will bring it to life. And so he, through his supernatural demonic ability, brings this image of the beast to life and empowered by the devil himself, begins to perform all kinds of different lying signs and wonders that the Bible tells us about, even duplicating some of the miracles that the two witnesses uh, worked when they were on the earth. The fact that Satan can fabricate supernatural signs is clear from the Bible. I mean, remember in the Old Testament when Moses was sent by God to Pharaoh, and he was to tell Pharaoh that God was telling him to let the Jews go. And Pharaoh didn't believe that, you know, Moses' God was any God to be afraid of because, let's face it, the God of Hebrew slaves is not more powerful than the God of the Egyptians who rule the world. But Moses said, well, he to the Lord told me to show you that he is a powerful God. So Moses took his rod, threw it on the ground, turned into a serpent, right? Well, it says that Pharaoh had his magic magicians throw their rods on the ground and they turned into serpents. Wow. See, de the devil is real power. Later on, Moses turned water into blood and Pharaoh's magicians. And we learn from 2 Timothy, by the way, verse th uh, chapter 3, we get the names of two of them, Janus and Jambres, all right, who withstood Moses. Moses turns water to blood. They turn water to blood. Moses brings up frogs onto the land. They bring up frogs onto the land. Eventually, though, Moses performs some miracles by the hand of God that they can't duplicate, and they're forced to acknowledge this is the finger of God. The devil can only go so far. But you have to understand the time that this is, the kind of time this is going to be. I mean... You know, we think about the world becoming more and more secular. That really isn't true. The world is becoming more and more spiritual, but not in a good way. And it's going to reach the epitome here during this time, where Paul said those people, in 2 Thessalonians 2, Paul says, those people that don't love the truth, that don't want to hear the gospel, God is going to send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. The Antichrist lies because the Antichrist is going to have real supernatural powers and people are going to be sucked in to the lies by virtue of the miracles. I mean, you know, if somebody can do a miracle, 
it's a pretty powerful thing that this person must be talking on behalf of God or some God. But what did God say in Deuteronomy 13? He said, if any prophet arises and does miracles and then leads you to worship false gods, they, they are a false prophet, stone them. You have to be careful. We are living in a very deceptive time. And you're going to see more and more supposed miracles taking place. In fact, a lot of these miracles are revolving around things that are going on in the Catholic Church. Mary is appearing all over the world, supposedly Mary. And the message that she is preaching is not a biblical gospel message. You're going to be seeing more and more miracles taking place. They're going to be sucking more and more people into deception. Why? Because they did not love the truth. They did not love the scriptures. If you really love the Bible, if you really love God, you love his word. And if you study his word, it would keep you from error. It would keep you from falling into false doctrine, false teaching. You know, Jesus said of this time in Matthew 24, verse 24, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders if to deceive, if possible, even the elect. You know what he said? See, I have told you what? Beforehand. The word of God warns us about what's coming. The word of God warns us about some of the deceptions of the devil that we need to watch out for. If you're not studying the word, you have no basis. I mean, you're wide open. I mean, the supernatural is very powerful. Very powerful. And anybody who can do a miracle, people tend to sit up and take notice. They listen. That's the problem, though. The devil will use lying signs and wonders to deceive. Well, verse 14. And he deceives, the false prophet, that deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. What is this image that he gives life to? Well, you know, back in the 80s, we believed, many of us believed, that it was a supercomputer in Brussels that was going to keep track of people all over the world. And we even heard the nickname for this thing was the beast. Whether that was true or not, it was exciting to think about. People say, well, it's going to be some kind of very elaborate animatronics, you know? This image is going to be some kind of a very sophisticated animatronics, you know, like if you've been to Disneyland and gone to see Mr. Lincoln, you know, and when I was a kid, I went to that little, uh, you know, that, uh, uh, it, was a, it was a show where, you know, the curtains opened, and here was uh, President Lincoln, you know, this very elaborate uh, automaton, and uh, he started talking, one point gets up, and, and I was just amazed at how lifelike this thing was, right? And of course, they've improved since then on that whole technology, but here's the thing. As incredible as that is to see, I don't think that's going to wow people, really, if they know it's some kind of a automaton robot. I mean, come on. We're used to seeing sophisticated things like that. For people to really be wowed, I have to believe that there's something supernatural going on here. 
It's interesting that verse 15, which says, And he, the false prophet, was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast. There in the Holy of Holies. Uh, that verse could be translated, he was granted power to give spirit to the image of the beast. The Greek word for breath and spirit are the same, pneuma. Same word. You have to look at the context to decide if it's talking about breath or some spirit. Okay? But it could be translated, he, the false prophet, was granted power to give spirit to the image of the beast. So that's interesting because... The first commentary ever written on the book of Revelation was written by Victorinus in the early church, way back during the time of the early church. And listen to what he says concerning this verse. I thought this was interesting. He shall cause also that a golden image of Antichrist shall be placed in the temple at Jerusalem and that the apostate angel should enter and thence utter voices and oracles. You've been listening to Day by Day, the verse-by-verse Bible teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel in Elk Grove Village, Illinois, with Pastor Phil Ballmeyer. Today's message, as well as many other studies, can be heard and downloaded free of charge from our website at daybydayradio.org. From our website, you can contact us, order resources, read Pastor Phil's blog, and also subscribe to our daily podcast. We hope you'll pay us a visit. And remember to join us for Day by Day, Monday through Friday, here on this station. Thanks again for listening, and please join us again next time as we continue to study God's Word. Until then, may the Lord richly bless you and guide your steps as you walk with Him day by day. He said for you.